Yes. Uh, let's do this. Living in a scientific age, we need citizens who know enough about science to make intelligent decisions about what they do. We use science to, to prolong life, to increase security and happiness. But it can also be used for destruction. Are we going to use it constructively? It'll be up to you. And you too. Todd, so we've we've determined that my hair color is now magenta. Yes, it is a bright magenta, like a a firehouse magenta. <laughs> like definitely clown hair, like Bozo or Pennywise or stuff. Uh, speaking of like uh, clowns, <laughs> do you know why the Joker? Uh, which I now kind of relate to. Do you know why the Joker sleeps with a light on? Uh, I do not. It's afraid of the dark night. <laughs> no, no. I I forbid you to use that button for that joke. <laughs> there we go. Okay. But uh, you do, uh, clunky segues aside, <laughs> you do have bright magenta hair you have been oh ugh. you have been growing your hair out ever since the quarantine and it just the grown out hair itself has made me so uncomfortable i was telling you beforehand <laughs> i i hate when i can feel hair on my neckline or my ears and it just makes yeah. me feel so uncomfortable and that's all yours is right now because totally. you're bald on top but have just thick right thick Thick hair. Yeah, no, it's this all the way across the side. Stripe sides. from temple to temple around the back, uh, and, and and so that's, that's the part that's all long. And then <laughs> and so and then, then I bleached me, it. Uh, How did that make yes. you feel? So you sent a picture last night uh, into a group chat with uh, with me and then Brian and Sarah of you with the bleached like bleach bleached hair not like a bleached blonde it was the bleach to bleach your hair and it was like you had combed it looked brian posted a picture of uh jim carrey from a series of unfortunate events or whatever he's yeah. that character with the pointy face and the weird hair yeah. and there was something about the bleached nature of it versus your skin tone this is with your facial expression because you were kind of making a face and i physically recoiled from the phone and felt like physically ill in my stomach for a while after that it was i was shocked at my own response of my brain saying no to something so harshly that and so, uh, yeah, so that that process of bleaching took about an hour. And then I applied uh, the 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 product color called cherry on top, uh, <laughs> which uh, it, it, there's not a non maraschino cherry that isn't colored like this like it, it's <laughs> it's not a cherry color it's not a no. red color it's it's got a lot of pink in it 
Yes. <laughs> and so it's very magenta, it, like fluorescent magenta. And like there's, uh, I, I can't even really think of anything to compare <laughs> no. it to except the <laughs> color magenta. Magenta, yeah. And so like Ronald McDonald's hair is red. Uh, like Pennywise is kind of orangish and and um, Bozo was classically red and this is between all of those this is <laughs> red plus some yellows and, and it's stuff your that, own look it's, it's my well we'll have to refer that to, as to Mark Mark Magenta <laughs> Mark now or whatever to yeah, it's it's uh, it's shocking uh, and it it's my COVID response to uh, to this whole thing <laughs> and remember like I cut my own hair normally and so I, I normally shave my own head and just keep it super trim uh, you know like quarter inch or less Yeah. and so this is my experience of in solidarity with those that haven't been able to cut their hair I've just <laughs> let mine grow out and now I'm like my hair has not ever been this long since you know the 80s Wow. and um, and <laughs> And so, and in the eighties, I didn't have the chrome top, you know, to match uh, the, the the. And so, my head has never looked like this. And so, we wanted to just magnify that right. whole experience and just go with it. And you know, it washes out, and uh, eventually, or I'll trim it off or whatever. So right. It's just right. Fun. Yeah, it's it's and well, and I started growing this crazy. It's not it's not a handlebar mustache technically. It's called a horseshoe mustache. Oh. Uh, handlebars are the ones usually that kind of curl up yeah. uh, on the sides, like the yeah. very old timey ones. Uh, I started growing this as like the the quarantine thing, thinking you know it'll be a month or two, and I'll have this zany mustache, and now it's just like part of my identity. It's just how I am now. Exactly, and it'll be funny to look back and like it's almost like. Uh, like the old Star Treks or those shows where they find the like the evil Spock and the evil <laughs> Jim or whatever, and they always have that like goatee. So like this is just our evil it's Mark and evil, evil Todd. Evil Mark, evil Todd. Here we are. Twenty twenty counterparts will always <sighs> be able to know what year this is in. <laughs> it's, so it's been it's been quite a week uh, in the world. Um. I think across the board, everybody thinks that Portland is just burning down and full of Antifa rioters. And uh, so so my friend Tara, she's 30-ish and, you know, white lady that lives down the street and is an architect and the least threatening person that exists. And so when she saw the news say that Portland is full of rioters and the feds are are stealing these rioters into unmarked vans she started attending the protests uh, for the last two weeks and she she just wanted to respond with like I'm the least threatening person that exists right. <laughs> like I am I am not any of your archetypes that you are pointing at and saying this is what Portland is full of and uh, she's had quite an experience down there uh, and for for context and we drove through the other day and, and took some pictures and there's plenty of graffiti uh, and uh, that looks to be about it there's plenty of graffiti and hippies and, and stuff 
and during the day they've got kind of a little tent city set up across from the federal building and at night there's about a two or three block radius that is crowded by crowds of protesters and otherwise a hundred percent of portland is just business as boring usual like right. we are going to the stores we're like we're walking our dogs there's there's no fires there's no flag <laughs> burnings there's no tear gas like like between 11 a 11 p.m and 1 a.m in a two block radius uh there there's some unrest downtown as uh people get fired up but um generally well, i keep thinking like one of these sundays i'll drive downtown you know and i'll take some video but then i'm like why right it's, like what am i what do i think i'm gonna see it'll probably right. just be emptier than usual because of the lockdown and it's like so boring <laughs> i've seen boarded up window i went actually i was remembering right after the quarantine started maybe two weeks into mm. it um it was before the George Floyd stuff. I was like, oh, that'll be fun to go downtown to see, you know, what it's like during this quarantine. And, you know, there wasn't much, much happening then, but there were stores that were boarded up from COVID. I mean, this was pre the riots. So um, I think a lot of that got attention. That was just um, the confluence of still being shut down and all that. But yeah, so I still haven't gone downtown because I'm like, I mean, one of these days I might if I get bored, but not not high on my radar of things to do. No, we do, Did, we we went to lunch the other day at a food cart at, that was outside of downtown and drove back through downtown by the federal building just to see and it was remarkably boring. <laughs> so <laughs> violently boring (laughs) violently boring so there's been i have a few notes on my phone um before we get before we get into this um number one have you noticed have you been watching much netflix lately a little bit yeah okay so have you noticed anything about your experience watching netflix i'd say in the last week um not watching netflix but let's say like browsing around browsing around um Honestly, we've it, it's it was difficult to find things uh, that we had started watching. Uh, like oh, okay. we started watching something, and then like we could not find it again. We had to go on a search and do the thing because we've been watching the Zac Efron uh, series called Oh Back Right Something Down Earth to Earth. Or... Yeah, uh, and that is fantastic and really? everybody it, should watch that it, it's um, not just zach efron being hot in different it's, locations it's, it's not here i am I, in south america being hot look at my eyes let's go uh, to australia where i'll be hot over by the great barrier reef <laughs> let's go guys no no it's it's a really poignant series and he uh Zach and and uh, Darren is the other guy, and Darren is kind of a uh, he's maybe my age, maybe you know he's in his forties, and he is a guru of nutrition and um, eating locally or or like uh, buying locally sourced foods to eat uh, responsibly, 
within the systems that you have and you know, micro all that stuff. And so, uh, so the two of them have just joined forces and traveled around the world and uh, like how to eat better, live better, be better humans is is kind of the theme and it's really really well done and there's quite a few asides during the series of zach being very frank about his experience within hollywood of like how material and how uh fake and how odd uh, the whole experience is and interesting yeah so he's so, not he's not he seems like a smart guy or yeah yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, he seems like a genuine guy, isn't he? Okay. He's not like some super genius. <laughs> well, no, but I because there's a lot of those like travel type shows where it's just like some vacant celebrity. No, no, no. Host no. It's not that. It's it's okay. very introspective. Uh, like they go to Puerto Rico and and get a tour with the mayor of San Juan, uh, the lady who was in such contention with president trump during hurricane maria and so they they talk about life uh, as as it has evolved over the last three years since that and and it's interesting it's it's huh. really really fascinating and i'll have to uh, check that a out good, a good watch so i'm um, yeah go, i'm go almost back to done netflix what's, what's i was gonna say i'm almost done with community so um i'm a little <laughs> i'm a little nervous uh, no, I just I finally for some reason I logged because I I don't watch Netflix very often, but when I do, it's on Mark's account. <laughs> yes. It so is. I finally for some reason logged on the desktop version, and I don't even remember why, but I finally turned off those previews. Oh, oh! The autoplay previews no longer will be bothering us I, as we try to scroll through. I have noticed that. Yeah, and so, <laughs> and so, so yeah, uh, so. That's fantastic, and thank you. <laughs> thank you. Uh, the other thing, and this is probably a widely known fact, but for some reason it's just – I heard it a couple of weeks ago, and I just am kind of obsessed about it, and it's the fact that chickens can't swallow. Hmm. And I forget what context I heard it in, like because they are susceptible to drowning or like there was something, but then that's why they always – like have to huck the food back into their system because they can't swallow, which makes sense because there was that famous headless chicken that they fed with an eyedropper. Remember? Yes. Oh, anyway, weird. now whenever I see chickens, I start freaking out to think that they can't swallow, and I don't. <laughs> that bothers me for some reason. But the other thing that has been really, and this is from the episode you did of uh, about memory and memory palaces, which yeah. apparently is our greatest show ever according to Todd's parents <laughs> and to me since I'm still thinking about it but you talked about um, uh, remembering things in the process of myelinization which yes. is basically um, uh, different neurons when they talk to each other getting stronger and stronger and the bond yep. between those and, and yep. how that helps memory and I have been <clears throat> thinking about just how myelinization works in so many different contexts like false memories and lies how like when you repeat the lie the lie becomes true because it literally becomes true it according it to your brain that path yeah 
and myelinization is the process it's it's basically a uh, a fatty tissue that wraps around the connector between neurons to insulate it from other neurons so that it it's basically cementing the path uh, of that connection so the more and more you use that especially at a young age so a child learning piano will develop myelinized uh, pathways much quicker and and stronger that that live with them versus somebody in their 50s learning piano for the first time they'll have more of a challenge because the myelinization process kind of slows down in your 30s and 40s okay well and i was That's thinking i mean especially and i don't i don't know what's gonna happen to the audio on this because you're sort of cutting out on me oh sorry but um but you were talking about children and i think even when we were growing up the concept of like how can something you don't remember like affect you you know just get over it or whatever but when you talk about trauma trauma is just a physical myelinization of two things whether it's not to connect like an abuser with uh both fear and love and like all of those things wiring together so that um and it's just really been and even like seeing so my shoulder has been really really bothering me now for almost three years and in the last couple months it's just been worse but different worse than it's been so it's just been like i've been really trying to not move it and stuff like that and like when i see people on tv i'm now having the same reaction as when i see people on tv with no masks it's kind of that like i tense up and i'm like wow that like that person's doing a cartwheel like oh my gosh and like how the physical trauma that you know i've had on that shoulder for three years how that's wiring my brain to not only be careful in my own life because i am way like i am way less brave ever since i hurt my shoulder and it's been a lifelong thing now but how I physically and mentally react to people even using that part of me that, and so like all of these different confluences and like denial. And like you said, it not only cements the things, but it acts as a barrier. So when you're in denial or when you believe something that you have come to believe, it's not just that that bond is strong, but it's keeping other things from getting into that bond to separate it. And it's just, yeah, that whole that whole concept has really been fascinating to me, putting that physical element into things like <clears throat> denial and trauma and pain and all of that. So go back and listen to our memory episode. <laughs> Brain, <laughs> brains are crazy. And, they really are. And elastic and interesting and, uh, you know, the world's most powerful computer. And it's just like uh, a hunk of fat and salt, and it somehow it's, runs on electricity we make out of <laughs> out of things that out of grow out of the zingers. ground. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, it's, yes. Anyway, well, why don't you read uh, uh, one I more thing? The link. So oh yeah, yeah. Are you familiar with buzz buttons? Have you ever heard of a buzz button? Uh huh. Like a uh, joy buzzer button, like the old timey. No, no, it's thing. a flower. Uh, so the Szechuan flower uh, from like the Szechuan pepper um, has a little flower 
and um, I've got a kind of a dry version of one here. They're they're uh, yellow with kind of a dark tip on them, and um, maybe okay one centimeter across. But it half looks like an the middle across. of a of a daisy or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but this is the entire flower. That's the petals are kind of the the little texture that's on there. So they, um, they, when you eat them, have medicinal effects that are shocking. Uh, so they're called buzz buttons because for about five minutes, when you eat them and chew them and put them in your mouth, your whole mouth becomes numb and starts vibrating. Uh, the it's it's <laughs> almost an electric feel or uh like the sensation that you have with pop rocks um <clears throat> but without the popping you know it's it's a very unique experience it lasts for about five minutes uh it numbs your mouth and it uh -oh. it doesn't taste good. you can't hear me anymore that's crazy so did you uh, try yeah. it my my internet yeah. by the way is like super bad right now and lagging so got I'm it got it this will be a little a little awkward but yeah so you did try it and it did so i've got a plant now that grows them and uh so i have a buzz button plant that we ordered from florida and it shipped uh in the mail to us and it's been growing for the last three weeks and we just got our first crop of like six six flowers and so if those flowers become pollinated does it turn into the pepper i don't know Oh, I do, I, I, <laughs> but it is it is related to the Szechuan pepper. Szechuan pepper, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. Wow, that's interesting. They're Ooh, really, I want to really ah. Yeah. So. I want to try one, but I can't see you for another six years or however long this <laughs> friggin' nightmare scenario is going to be. Into our until our current generation dies off, and <laughs> the next generation decides that uh, vaccines are real or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's when we'll be able to chat. Uh, all right. Well, are we ready to okay. dig into some news here? Yeah, let's let's do it. All right. SpaceX. SpaceX. Bre <clears throat> yes, breaking news from breaking just right news. now when we're recording. Yeah, so uh, right now it's 2.43, I think about 1 o'clock this afternoon, so about two hours ago. SpaceX brought two NASA astronauts back to Earth and its Crew Dragon spacecraft kicking off the next era in human spaceflight space flight so as you remember just uh just over two months ago 63 days ago they docked um two nasa uh astronauts in a vehicle that holds four i believe they they can put four in the dragon capsule um and uh docked with the international space station they've been there for two months and uh undocked yesterday afternoon and uh landed in a splashdown near the gulf of mexico today wow so that's really cool that was a that, very very successful uh mission then for spacex really is and uh spacex elon musk uh all, all this like private space space travel now integrated with nasa like it is literally a new era 
It's awesome. Wow. Wow. That's exciting. Not so exciting. A study says that 17% of Hermiston has COVID-19. Oh, my word. So that 169 out of every 1,000 people in Hermiston have the, vi- uh, have the virus, which is a total of 3,000 people. So Kate Brown, Oregon's governor, issued a stay-at-home order for Umatilla County, which I'm sure takes kindly to a, state- a stay-at-home order from a-, a Democratic governor that doesn't live there. Um so blah 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 they found consistently strong viral signals in both cities hermiston and boardman uh boardman which has my very favorite sign of all time which is the blowing dust area off of uh, (laughs) highway 84 um and they've remained high and not decreased over time perhaps most disconcerting the study found that 80 percent of the hermiston residents who tested positive had no symptoms this suggests uh that the virus could be spreading uh, to the most vulnerable people, blah, blah, blah. So uh, Hermiston is a huge agricultural club, a uh, club, um, <laughs> hub. Uh, four of the state's 12 largest active workplaces outbreak, workplace outbreaks ha- occurred at the warehouses in the city. So there's uh-huh. Lamb Weston, which is a giant uh, <clears throat> potato processing. They make all of the potatoes for all the fast food stuff, um, all of that stuff. There's also Medela's Trucking, Shearer's Foods, which packages potato chips and other snacks, and the Walmart Distribution Center. So, so don't go to Hermiston. I was actually talking with my um, uh, emailing my mom and dad because I'm like, just a gentle, loving reminder, you know, to be sure to take this seriously and to still, you know, because they're in Eastern Washington and um, kind of near Yakima, and Yakima was the highest place in all of washington and and um the northwest for a while as far as cases and that's only 40 minutes away from from their town and and so i just said today again like all of hermiston is going to die or whatever right like we're taking it you know we're still wearing our masks and all that and she said that now their county Mm -hmm. is the lowest which is i'm not sure what county sunnyside is in sunnyside washington but so that's good news for them and for a worrying son whose father is immunocompromised. So anyway, <sighs> how how is it all going to end? Like how how is it going to end? I I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> makes me sad. The whole thing makes me sad. I don't yeah. I don't know. <clears throat> <laughs> all right. So uh, a main man this is the feel-good story of the day. This is like uh, this article that I cut doesn't have <laughs> like a lot of great information in it. It just has oh a great picture. But, it does uh, have a great picture. <laughs> this is local hero story. <clears throat> yeah, local hero uh, in the state of Maine. A Maine man saw neighbor. Uh, he saws a neighbor's garage in half, in half amid a boundary dispute. And there is a photo of a fence going down the middle of uh something and then all of a sudden there's a uh two-thirds of a building uh and it's like cut c- in half yeah. comically cut like precision like a water jet cut <laughs> down the middle of this building now it looks like the building is up on a path or up on a little risen <clears throat> you know concrete path that it looks like yeah, the little terrace used to be the border i'm assuming because why else would you build it that way? And then there's a new fence on this borderline, which is like five feet into the other guy's property. So Gabriel Braun used a land surveyor's demarcation between the two lots as a guide to remove the half of the building sitting on his land, 
when a dispute over the boundary line boiled over. And so, uh, yeah, so it it devolved quickly. Um, and I, it didn't it doesn't quite go into. Um, so this the this guy who cut it in half, he lived on that street when he grew up and then moved back to it in 2012. Um, but and their relationship with the neighbors was fine until the owner of the neighbor's house died in 2016. And then the daughter moved in, but didn't, so it didn't, yeah, it didn't say what escalated to this point, but I'm sure a lot of not very productive conversations happened and they just <laughs> saw that building right in half. <laughs> When the dad was alive, this place was a perfect place to live, she said. As soon as the poor man passed away, this place turned to craziness and chaos. The bronze unsuccessfully tried to purchase the uh, lot in one attempt to resolve their issues, and that did not happen. And that looks like the building that's sawed in half is not like an old outbuilding or a garage. It's like it looks no. like a new addition to the building. Oh, yeah. To the, no, no, the no. house this, it's attached this, to. This didn't go well. And uh, yeah, it, there's there's a lot of frustration. There, I'm sure. <laughs> it's amazing. Well, the good news is, is that trained dogs were able to sniff out COVID-19 <clears throat> infections with a 94 percent accuracy. So because dogs have a, uh, a smell 10,000 times more powerful and accurate than humans, uh, they can sniff out diseases like cancer, malaria and other infections. So uh, con to conduct the study, researchers trained eight dogs from Germany's armed forces for one week. The trained dogs sniffed at the saliva of more than 1,000 people that were either healthy or infected with the virus. Samples infected with the COVID-19 were distributed at random, and neither the dogs nor handlers uh, knew which ones were positive. So in a YouTube video about the project where all good information comes from, medical information goes straight to YouTube, people. Don't check anywhere else. <laughs> um, says that think the dogs are able to do this because of the, metabol the metabolic process of an infected person uh, goes under a complete change. So that is so weird that dogs <laughs> can smell and detect and, and figure that out. We have a frequent um kind of meme within our house of like when our pug who she can barely smell oh, her, her own food she's you know 14 years old and whatever um when she looks at us weird or acts weird we're like do you smell cancer <laughs> like is that what that is that what's going on? Yeah, they're not um, staring at nothing. They're staring exactly, at cancer. No, they're staring at cancer in our lives. I do like that uh, the YouTube video professor is named Marin von Kochsret Blickwenken. <laughs> it is a <laughs> it is a hyphenated last name of Kochrix Blickwenken or something. Blickwenken from the University of Germany. <clears throat> yes. 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 Uh, so it looks like Google employees will work from home until summer of 2021. The technology giant has previously planned to bring workers back to its offices beginning in January, but its new policy makes Alphabet the first major U.S. corporation to definitively extend its work from home timeline so far into the future. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how many people want to do that once it's an option, you know, because there are 
people that thrive in a community like that and going to work and having a place. And I mean, it's you and I both have been, I've been freelancing now for almost 20 years and you've been doing that for the most part too. And it's, it's a different thing to get used to and it's not for everyone. It really is. And we definitely benefit like there, there are specific benefits from working in a collaborative office environment where you're there physically in person. Uh, And, and conversely, there's times, especially as a developer, you know, I, I write code where I don't want humans around at all. And uh, I just want to get into the zone and write code. And so having the freedom to move back and forth has always been, uh, yeah, we've got an office, it's downtown, we have desks there. We have not been there in <laughs> four months or whatever. And, uh, and that has been a strain and a challenge is because you know, out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. Uh, you can't just turn around and talk to your buddy about uh, a problem uh, that you've got, you know, to uh, need a solution for. And so, like, but there is a shortcut for Zoom in our Slack channel, and, bloop, right. and you know, and so that's the equivalent uh, that that we're making do with. Right. Yeah. I always tell people when they ask what it, you know, being a freelance, and it's you're always at home and you're always at work. You're so you, always at home. You're it's always, always at work. both stresses all of the time. Yeah. Um, well, sad news. Uh, PDX Airport Powell's Books locations close uh, uh, after 30 years. Now, the headline says permanently, but then there's a little follow up that um, doesn't make sense because they the Powell's. Uh, tweeted out, quote, it is with heavy hearts that we announce the closure of both the store and the kiosk at Portland International Airport. Thank you for all your support over the past 30 years. We hope to return one day. So, I mean, they did uh, they did say permanently, but they're hoping to be back, of course. Uh, the news comes following the closed uh, following the closures caused by the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, the booksellers laid off a majority of their staff earlier this year in March. Uh, by May, the company said it was able to bring back some of its employees to focus on online orders and contactless pickup. So, yeah, Portland are the Powell's Books, which is probably the most <clears throat> famous thing in Portland. Yeah. Might not make it through. I mean, they've got a gigantic piece of property in the middle of downtown that they have to pay rent on. And yeah, it's uh, it's it's terrible uh, you know and the the book physical book market hasn't been great uh already but uh yeah this has really put strains on things one of our favorite breweries just announced being closed as well uh base camp brewery in oh. portland said uh said no and they are closing on august 9th next week man sad um PDX had a good run. The first gene-altered squid. Oh, no, wait, wait. Go back one. <laughs> it's a similar headline, but a different story. Oh, PDX had a good run? Yeah, that one. Oh, I thought that was still part of the other one. Oh, no. P- PDX had a good run. After seven years at number one, it's now number two on the best airport list. What? Yes. There's no better airport than P- uh, Portland International Airport. Uh, I don't believe this. So the magazine... The magazine by Travel and Leisure magazine. The magazine revealed its annual list of top 10 airports on Wednesday. And uh, 
magazine readers rate airports based on access, check-in security, restaurants, bars, shopping, and design. PDX may have lost its crown this year, but its score was less than a point behind the winner, Indianapolis. Indianapolis. International Airport. It was number two in last year's rankings. So the magazine noted that this year, uh, that this year's airport ratings were compiled before the COVID-19 pandemic and stay-at-home orders began. Uh, the survey closed on March 2nd. No other airports on the West Coast made the magazine's top 10. So still very distinct in the West, at least. But I'm surprised, and I wonder if one of their metrics is, uh, like, the amount of electrical outlets and, like, stuff like that, because that's going to be the huge the huge thing is to have enough of those for all of the things we're trying to plug in. Uh, seriously. Um, another story, the first gene-altered squid has thrilled biologists. So they reported this week they have disabled this poor squid, disabled a pigmentation gene in the squid. Uh, their success shows that cephalopods, which includes squid and octopuses, can finally be studied using the same kind of genetic tools that have let scientists explore um, other animals like lab rats and fruit flies. Uh, those are easy to keep in the laboratory, and scientists routinely modify their genes to get insights into behavior, diseases, and possible treatments. So um, up until now, there's been no way to manipulate squid or octopus genes, but they finally figured out a way how to do that. And they um, they took the pigmentation out, which is weird. Uh, but I guess if you're going to try to figure out anything that you can do to a squid that you'd be able to tell just by looking at it, disabling <laughs> disabling the one thing that it does visually is probably a good place to start. So um, when biologists studied natural squid, eventually they, quote, hit something of a wall of understanding because they couldn't play around with the animal's genetics to explore how their systems work. Um so five years ago, they thought this was a big, like, in the future, someday, we'll be able to do this. And it looks like they've figured out how to do it. So we're in the future. We are in the future as far as editing squid genes go, which is a <laughs> crazy sentence. And Mark, here's the story you've here's been waiting for. <laughs> so I, I, uh, it's been making the rounds. Uh, uh, apparently, this happened like a year ago, but uh, it's recently been making the rounds on some news feeds. And so I wasn't in a place to be able to save an article. So I literally just texted it to you and said, hey, can you save this for the news? And you're like, actually, I've already <laughs> saved it for the news because it's such a great, great story. So painting zebra stripes on cattle discourages biting flies, a new survey says. So the stripes apparently confuse the pesky bugs motion detector systems. And um, according to a new study, when Japanese researchers painted zebra-style stripes on cows, biting flies bother them less than half as much than cows without stripes. And you got to think of like the complexity of the flies' eyeballs and and all of the uh, they're they're just they see things very differently than we do. Right. And, uh, and their whole system is based on solid printed, uh, items and how to navigate that. And so when you've got a striped item <laughs> and, uh, it just doesn't, it just shuts down and, and isn't able to do it. And so they've been saying for a long time that the zebra stripes on zebras, uh, 
definitely aids in camouflage, but they were noticing a significant less effect by fighting bugs on zebras than others. And so it makes uh, sense started, because everything else yeah. like, oh, camouflage, but like tigers and stuff like that, the coloring and the lines make more sense for camouflage. Whereas like you don't pick bold black and white stripes for camouflage in a place that is not covered with <laughs> black and white stripes. Right. Uh, yeah. So it um, currently the livestock industry uses pesticides on cattle to fight off binding flies, but this research could prove there's a less toxic and possibly cheaper alternative to using chemicals. They should go magenta stripes. <laughs> <laughs> that's I right help. i wonder if you will be covered with a fewer <laughs> biting flies now <laughs> awesome uh but yeah that story cracked me up and it, it goes into how they tested different types of stripes and different types of chemicals to make sure that it wasn't the paint repelling the flies and using a brown cow with yeah so super funny <clears throat> well anything else before we close out our no are what I, I we it. described before the podcast as Mark and Todd cold read the news stories that <laughs> we haven't pre-read. Indeed. Uh, all right. Well, I this is the the thing I want to talk about today is kind of something that has always kicked around in the back of my head, and it has never been like really satis satisfactorily answered. And and this week, this past week, I was talking with um. So I work for a family. I help take care of uh, this boy, Colin. And I was talking to his dad this past week, and his dad is a jeweler. And so uh, he was talking about how uh, during the last recession in 2008 and the other recessions, how when the economy goes back, he tends to do well because he buys back gold. And people, when they have nothing left to sell, when they have nothing left to sell, you can sell your gold. And so, um, and so I've always wondered, like, what is it about gold that like it has to be there has to be something special about it more than like we just think it's a pretty shiny rock and oh, yeah. like that's it's it's kind of like how we just all pretend money has value like why throughout history because references to gold go back literally six thousand years to when civilization started like really really popping up in a meaningful way and it's like even back then like how are we still agreeing that something that cave people found valuable so i i started looking into that and i found some pretty interesting things so uh, when you get into into something like gold it's like when we talked about sugar and salt and spices and all that how it's such a huge topic because it's literally something that has changed the world and it has changed how humans have dispersed around the world you know wars have been fought over it and so it's it's hard as a topic to kind of make it a a linear thing or a focus thing so i'm gonna be leaving out like huge things like conquests and like all of those all of those things and just sort of do more of a facts about gold and 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 stuff that i learned that do make it kind of an interesting interesting thing so uh gold goes back like i said six thousand years ago um and in 540 bc in lydia which is now northern turkey uh it began to be used as a monetary thing because even back then 
when you think of things that um, can hold value, they didn't have much paper going around. They couldn't make paper dollars, even if they could. You know, paper didn't last very long. All of our money is made out of like a cotton, cotton blends and stuff like that. And so, um, be, because it's not just that it's a shiny, rare element. Now, of course, some of the things that make it value is that it's rare that there's a finite amount, you know, it's really hard to dig out of the ground and, and mine and stuff like that. Um, it's the most malleable metal, which means you can make, you know, you can roll it out to huge amounts and not use very much of it while still, you know, maintaining its integrity and, and being able to stamp it and form it. And, and um, so using money and making jewelry was, for the most part, what we did with gold, it did not hold any like magic properties of use back then. It was literally, it was shiny. And because it's what they call, I didn't know. I knew there was noble gases, but I did not know there were noble metals, noble metals and they just like gold and platinum. Yeah. And they describe this as the noblest of noble metals, <laughs> which nice. is really strange because it's completely what they call like unreactive. It doesn't react to almost anything acid. You have to have a, the only thing it really reacts to is mercury. And if you make a very specific blend of something called Royal water, which is part nitric acid and something part called spirits of salt which i'm not sure what that is but it's some like ancient concoction of some sort but it it doesn't tarnish it doesn't break down over time so because it was the only thing that did that it was the only thing that you could use like on a long journey you know and still shows up shiny and it's just that magical property because gold is the only metal that is that color like there's a lot of things that are silver or like nickel looking like those all kind of look the same but gold is the only like bright yellow shiny metal that can um that can just really be resistant to almost everything which is why they now make pieces of the space shuttle with it they will put gold in the mask visors of the astronauts because it's dense enough that it still repels a lot of the radiation and keeps that out so it was interesting to see that now we have a lot more of those uses for gold. Like now I understand that it has value because it's in our, it's one of the, it's probably the best conductor as far as metals go that we have. So it's in all of our cell phones and all our computers. And, but it's funny that outside of the last 50 years, maybe, and that's being generous, like gold did not have any real use other than the fact that it just withstands the test of time literally without breaking down or changing or or doing anything um, and to find gold so 90% of the gold that we have now was found after the gold rush in 1849 hmm. so and that's another thing like because I always think of um is gold like diamonds, how the the actual value of it is completely arbitrary and made up and but we can we can make labs in a diamond in a diamond. We can't make diamonds in a lab, but we can't make gold. So gold still cannot be made here on Earth. It literally all comes from space. So all of the gold that's found on Earth is found in the crust and it's from comets and it's from asteroids and things that mm. 
happened during a, a, a neutron um, explosion of a star when it gets to that state everything breaks down and then explodes out and it just uh, so finding gold on asteroids is thing is something that may even be easier to do than finding it on earth because finding it on earth is really hard because of our crust separating that at all only what it costs tons and tons of money to identify a place where you can maybe find gold and even after all that money is spent only one percent of those locations have mineable gold so finding more and more of it is just not at all practical and if we're now starting to find actual uses for it that might cause some problems um, it is not the rarest metal but it's still um, pretty rare uh, more steel is made every half hour than all of the gold we uh, have on earth right now um, and every culture wow. race religion all everyone who has ever been on earth has recognized gold as the literal gold standard of what wealth means and what riches means hmm. and um, it's obviously been a gigantic factor of moving people around the world whether it was to um, destroy and take over places like Central America the Aztecs and the Mayans once it once uh, the Spanish and Europeans found out that there was gold there it was the end of that civilization because we could use that. What was interesting, and I couldn't find a super definitive answer, is that I wondered if prior to the prior to Europe coming over f after they found out the Mayans um, and Aztecs had gold, did those Mayan and Aztec civilizations also value gold? Just like Azafar, oh. and they did. Like they, yeah. the jewelry was like it was the right. same thing. How like that was the huh. sign of just universal. Like it has this magical effect on us humans. This just weird hunk of rock. Um, so even in like in the very earliest writings, which is uh, a lot of Sumerian stuff that tried to describe creation and God and stuff like that. In those texts, gold was the entire reason mankind was created, and it was so that we can mine gold for the gods. So, like, <laughs> that's how far back it goes. Um, so still about 50% of all gold on Earth is used for jewelry. And then, um, then we get into a lot of the other big topic that comes up, it, which is the gold standard and how it's used in world finances, which is just another hmm. huge discussion. But, oh, wow. um, but in the 1600s, um, the Bank of England started to recognize gold as actual worldwide currency that anyone can bring in. And that bank would give you promissory notes to you on paper that said, this paper is worth this much gold, bring it back to any bank and we'll give you that literal gold back you know, as gold. And so that became the gold standard that the world used and based economies off of the United States um, in the late 1800s, early 1900s, I think, adopted the gold standard until the Great Depression, where everybody blamed the gold standard somehow for causing this worldwide collapse. And so gold does continue to hold its value and better so than a lot of companies on the stock market but since it is volatile and it is one of those things like it's a piece of rock like how much longer are we all going to agree that this has value 
Um, but like I said, in economic downturns, we still need something that we can physically say this has intrinsic value over the history of humankind. Therefore, I will still be able to somehow use that as as a monetary thing. Wow. So um, the element symbol for gold is AU, which comes from the Latin name or Aurum, A-U-R-U-M, which means shining dawn or glow of sunrise. Um, and it is gold in Germanic languages. <laughs> so um, it is extremely ductile, which is, it means you can stretch it. So a single ounce of gold can be stretched into a gold thread <clears throat> five miles long. Uh, and the gold threads could be used in embroidery. And so there's the ductile, which means you can stretch it. Gold uh, is the most malleable element and malleable is the measure of how easily a material can be hammered into thin sheets um, and not become brittle and break and deform out of the, you know, out of what it is. So a sheet of gold can be made thin enough to be transparent. Um, it is non-reactive, like I say. So now we are um, finding a lot of uses for it in medicine because it is non-toxic and has no taste, which is why you see like those, stunts of like golden ice cream or this golden steak or you know the stunts of those restaurants it doesn't take away from the taste and it doesn't do anything to your body um, right. which is also why it usually doesn't react to your skin uh, which is another reason why it's good for jewelry um, the noble metal I already I already uh, oh here's the have you seen have you seen the process of making gold leaf of gold hammering and making those thin sheets and i have i mean i I, I saw a little bit last night when i was kind of looking through stuff and you know it being smelted and then going through some presses or being made in some rings but i haven't looked into that process of because yeah that gold leaf like i can buy little gold leaf things to like use at my house to make little things out of and so it's weird that this is so expensive but you can just buy such thin amounts that is still gold it works as gold that you can just have it in right. your house yeah because because it can be hammered so thinly and uh it's like 0.2 microns thick which is unheardofly thick like uh, thin like it's um breathing on it just eradicates <laughs> it like it's it's such a wisp of a thin you know and i had a, a science teacher once that told me that it would it could be hammered to three atoms thick and i can't find anything online that <laughs> validates that but uh super 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 thin and and so when you take that and put it on the surface of rock or marble or or something it makes that item appear golden so um it looks like solid gold but it's just been gold leafed and you can basically take uh about an ounce of gold is about the size of a quarter and making a quarter stretch uh 30 foot by 10 feet you know 300 square feet uh is ridiculous yeah. and, and so imagine taking a single quarter and uh, making it one third the size of your house, uh, my house, and uh, how thin that uh, becomes—it's—it's it's wild. Wow, that's crazy. Well, and that's why it makes it such a perfect 
conduit for circuit boards and stuff like that because you can yep. and it's not going to react to heat and it's not going to corrode and it's not going to react to right. anything else so um a couple more here random gold facts i don't know why <laughs> halfway through my notes on gold do you see there's a picture <laughs> did you put that in my yes <laughs> There's a picture of a tomato that looks like it has a sad face on it wearing a tiny hat. <laughs> you just seem really sad and funny. So I threw that in. It there sort for of you. looks like a miner, actually. He does. Uh, but speaking of the, the gold rush, so the uh, California gold rush, of course, a huge moment in history and where we get the San Francisco 49ers name. Um, that was the biggest mass movement in history based around a single quote-unquote event um which is you know this discovery of gold in that area moved more people from all over the world not just the united states into california in the hopes that uh they would be able to find gold like that so um let's see it is a heavy dense material of course uh and non-toxic pure gold is 24 carats uh, and 18 karat gold is 75% gold. A lot of the time they they add other elements to gold to make it a little more um, durable and last longer and, of course, not as expensive. Um, let's see. Odorous and taste, I said. I'm being distracted by your tomato again. So it, <laughs> uh, a couple more things as a, in kind of looking at gold in the light of other metals. So you have like iron, lead, copper, and aluminum, all of which corrode over the time. So they're not uh, good at storing their value, so to speak. And um, the uh, platinum and palladium are reasonable choices uh, for other things, but they are all, they are even more rare uh, than finding gold. So, and I believe you can make, I don't know if you can make platinum in, in the lab yet, but, um, that's another reason so and those still also corrode so the big reason why looking over the history of the world that gold has continued to be seen as valuable is just because of its malleability and plasticity and its non-reaction to almost everything which means it'll last forever only now we're seeing the, the the benefits as far as conductivity and and reacting and non-reacting to things as far as our health and being able to it's been shown to like fight against prostate cancer somehow and so like all of these properties are completely brand new in the spectrum of humans um but we have always valued gold as the thing that is worth all of the money and all of the all of the things so really fascinating to me that just this agreement that this one special rock is the thing that we will use to anyway yeah uh, and uh, yeah, i've the special properties of gold um are fascinating uh, as like the gold plates that are aboard voyager for example are, are put there you know because they are indelible and will never change never react if it goes through a, a weird gas cloud or or something it's uh the the rest of the spaceship might dissolve <laughs> but the uh 
those plates will continue yeah. uh, going in the same direction. Uh, yeah, and so it's uh, it's definitely one of the and they uh, have talked about. I mentioned it a little earlier person. about the the possibility of sending space miners out to like the asteroid belts to to see if we can mine more of it that way, which is interesting. There was one other thing. So you've probably noticed this too, or anybody who's done kind of research into anything, which I don't think is anyone at this point, if you pay attention to the news, but if you're a person that looks into things, you'll often find, um, they'll do this in broadcast news too, like certain phrases come up over and over and over again that kind of point to all of the information coming from like this one, like a one source like that everybody mm-hmm. else quotes and then becomes. And the more I looked into gold, um, they would try to say how many, like how much gold is on earth. There is about 190,000 tons of gold on earth. 90% of which has been found um, after the gold rush. So 190,000 tons of gold. And the thing that kept coming up was, which is more, <laughs> which is more than two Olympic-sized swimming pools. Like that was their mm. unit of measurement. It wasn't like the size of Delaware, like what it usually is, or the size of Rhode Island. It was, right. and only one other place was like the size of three Olympic swimming pools. And I'm like, uh oh, <laughs> now, sw- now are Olympic are swimming standard. pools like a reliable source of density? And- um, <laughs> Americans will do whatever it takes to not use the metric system. Like we will, we will measure the size of a sinkhole in how many, uh, you know, uh, washing machines wide it is. I saw that meme. Oh, there's the stripe down my head. You can see really good now. Yeah, it's you nice. can see in our in our Zoom chat. I have this dent in my forehead where maybe that's where my head was supposed to grow bigger, and it didn't. But there's like a fissure that works in my skull that you can see really good in the video chat. But yes, two two to three Olympic swimming pools worth of gold uh, has been found on Earth. The Bank of England has 400,000 gold bars uh, in nine different vaults, uh, and they only own two of those. So and both of those, both of the ones they own are in their gift shop. So you can see how heavy a gold bar is. (laughs) <laughs> it's like how at the La Brea tar pits they have those sticks that are in the tar that you can use yeah. to like try to pull yeah, yeah. up to see how sticky tar is. Yep. Anyway, so that's kind of a cool. a random smattering. It wasn't a very focused look, but like I said, when you get into yeah. something that has literally been with us all of human history, the story gets to be a little broad <laughs> after Indeed. a while and but um, yes, the gold standard is still something that's debated as far as um, how economics worth and if that's because a lot of the argument is like it is literally a finite resource. Therefore, it is hard to inflate or deflate the value of it because it is literally so constant. So that's kind of the excuse to be on or off the gold standard. So anyway, <sighs> I wow. have any. Did you have anything else? No, I didn't either. Uh, and instead of doing a, a tedious goodbye segment, there's something that I've noticed that that I'll have you play at your end. Can you pull up the theme song for Community, the the TV show Community? 
So there is something that back when it was on the air, uh, originally I noticed and I'd always tease my wife about this, not tease it, but we're going to listen to it uh, as, as the last thing we hear. And I want you to picture um, the Muppet animal. Uh, you'll remember the Muppet animal who played the drums. He was always chained oh, yeah. to like the drum set and he was always freak out. I want you to picture animal of the Muppets playing the big that what they call i think the ride symbols the big crashing drum sets you know symbols uh-huh. <laughs> and notice how <laughs> at the very beginning it's a very animal is very restrained and he's playing by the rules and by the end picture animal just like going well, crazy and i do that whenever i listen to it i do it in my room it just bang on it like crazy it's it's like the we need more cowbell but with symbols so we're gonna take you out with that and i can never unhear this every time i hear the community theme song so Totally. It just overtakes the entire song in such a <laughs> hilarious way to me. All right. I love it. That's the end. Cool. Well, uh, thanks, everybody. We'll uh, talk to you next time. Bye-bye.